she is a woman who I just watch and I go, she walks with such grace and love and poise about her, uh, but with such humility, and that's just so attractive. Um, she has a great heart for Jesus, and it just shows in everything that she says and does. And um, Heather is the kind of person that, when I first met her, I went, oh, I feel like I've known her forever. You just have those people you just feel warm, and you just want to kind of snuggle up to them and, and just spend more time with them and get to know them. So I'll be sitting on your lap later. Okay. <laughs> So I just adore her, and I know it's always hard to come up here in front of all you women and speak. So I want you to just give her a really warm welcome and let her know how much we love her, and, and we're excited to have her up here today. Thank you. Thank you. I am much taller than this. Just a second. Sorry if you can't see me in the front row now. <laughs> oh, well, good morning. My goodness, did you guys eat well? Yeah, all those handsome men serving us. I had the chance to have my husband serve our table, which was pretty fun. I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> so I'm going to start out this morning by sharing a, just telling a story It has nothing to do with anything. Is that okay? Okay. So um, does anyone here like fruitcake? Oh, so we have a few. Okay, okay. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, I'm going sh to share something from my favorite comedian. He, uh, he puts it like this. Fruit, good, right? Cake, great. Fruit cake, nasty crap. <laughs> I mean, seriously, have, has, has everyone tried it in here? Have we all tried fruit cake? I don't even think that's fruit in there. I mean, seriously, you're like chewing on it. You're like, oh, what is that, a Skittle? <laughs> you know what I mean if you've tried it, right? Okay, well, there's my old uh, youth pastor. Uh, he actually tells this great story. He said every year for Christmas, uh, a college would gift a fruitcake to my church. And because everybody loves fruitcake, my senior pastor would then gift it to my associate pastor, and then the, the associate pastor would gift it to the worship pastor, and then it all the way down the line until it always got stuck. My youth pastor always got stuck with the fruitcake. So what do you do with a fruitcake that you don't want? You gift it to relatives, right? So he threw it in his bag, and he headed to the airport and flew to visit his family for the holidays. Well, this is where it gets interesting. My old youth pastor was Canadian. So, uh, as you know, when you go through uh, customs, security is a lot tighter, right? Well, his bag gets flagged. So he's pulled aside into the side room, and that's when he like, starts to sweat, because he has no idea why he's in there, right? And they're like, I'm sorry, sir, but you're going to have to open up your bag. And he's like, what the crap, okay, you know, like unzips it. And, and they're like, yeah, okay, and there's that tin. And he's like, what, is it, is it that? They're like, sir, do you have anything that you need to tell us? He's like, what, like it's just a fruitcake. And so they, they question him, and then they finally let him go, and, but they confiscate his fruitcake. <laughs> so now we know where all the unwanted fruitcake in the world goes, right? <laughs> The airport! <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what I actually researched later, 
which is, this is an interesting fact, is that TC, the TSA actually recommends not taking fruitcake with you on a plane because it is so dense that their scanners can't even see through it. <laughs> okay, so the funniest part of this story, and I feel so bad, but not really, um, <laughs> it was my college that gave them the fruitcake. I found that out later. Uh, needless to say, my youth pastor hates fruitcake now. So it is the season, right? It's the season for fruitcake. It's the season for peppermint mochas. It's the season for twinkle lights, which I love, like this. It's the season for pine in the air and, and hopefully a good, nice white snow that'll turn to mush in January. But why is it that we actually celebrate Christmas? And I think this is great that we're getting to do this at the beginning of the month before we get into the hustle and the bustle, because man, doesn't it get busy? Uh, this is just a busy season. Well, so what are we actually celebrating this season? And if you, if you were to ask people randomly here and there, they might say lots of different things, right? They might say, well, I'm celebrating a promotion, or I'm celebrating my family and getting to see my family for the holidays, or I finished all my Christmas shopping, check, check. <laughs> Uh, there's lots of things that people celebrate, right? But then again, there's some of us that if we really thought about it, we'd be like, I don't know if I'm really celebrating anything. So how do we genuinely celebrate Christmas without just going through the motions, right? Because it's easy to do. You get swept away in it. We don't, want just want, we don't just want another month just to slip by. And trust me, like I said, it gets busy, and it's easy for that to happen. So I want to take some time today just to talk about why we celebrate Christmas and what it's all about. So I started by doing some research. Uh, lo and behold, December 25th, Christmas Day, did not just appear on my iPhone calendar. <laughs> it actually came from somewhere. Pope Julius I authorized December 25th to be celebrated as the birthday of Jesus in AD 353, so a long time ago. But the United States actually declared December 25th as a federal holiday in 1870, which is shortly after uh, Abraham Lincoln, okay? And he's the one that actually, just years before, um, had Thanksgiving actually made into an official holiday. So we set aside this day to honor Christ's birth. And yet, who would have ever thought it would become what it is today, right? It's not just a single day anymore on my calendar. It is now an entire month of celebrating. I mean, even before Thanksgiving, if you're a real fanatic, right? All the wrapping paper, all the decorations, right? All the perfectly picked Christmas cards off of Shutterfly with an angelic picture of your children. <laughs> it's stockings and it's gifts and it's traffic jams and it's celebrations and traditions and family. It is the largest celebration in the world, all around the world. And it's all because of a simple, unassuming birth of a peasant boy 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. The night Jesus was born, it was just like any other night. A group of shepherds were quietly tending their flocks of sheep nearby. The sights and sounds were familiar. Nothing was really that different. But what was about to happen would transform their lives and billions of other lives as well. 
the world would seriously never be the same because of this event. Now, the Bible actually gives us the original Christmas story, so I'm going to share that. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, is a Savior that has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, them, to those whom his favor rests. So it's interesting in here. The angel actually says, <clears throat> Good news of great joy, and it's for all people. And it made me think, joy? For everybody? Really? Because for some of us, it really is a time, the most wonderful time of the year, right? And we get swept away in it. But for many people, Christmas is more of a hassle than it is a joy. It can become more of a duty than an actual delight. And for many at Christmas, this is actually a time where they lose their joy. Sadly, this is when suicides start to go up. This is when loneliness goes up. Because everybody else is happy. But why am I not happy? And no matter where you find yourself today, and in this Christmas season, God loves you. He is with you, and he is for you. So regardless of your background, regardless of your religion, regardless of your circumstances, Christmas really is the best news of all. So beyond the sights and the smells and the sounds of Christmas are some simple and profound truths that can really transform our lives. It is the greatest gift you will ever receive. And it's not something you can buy, and it's not something you can sell, and you don't get a discount just because you become a member of a church. It is just a gift. But it's not just any gift, right? It's Jesus himself. He is the good news, and it's worth celebrating. So God loves you, God is with you, and he's for you. I want to talk about just these three simple points today. So first, let's look at the first. Christmas is worth celebrating because it means God loves us. I was watching the OSU Michigan football game a couple weeks ago. Yes, yes, we won. Um, and right behind the goalpost, I saw this huge yellow sign, and it said John 3.16 on it. And it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall, shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The entire reason we celebrate Christmas is because of the love of God. Jesus' birth is important because it marks the inbreaking of God into history, into this world. 
His birth begins God's redemptive work, his, his rescue mission to save and restore us. Now, he could have chosen thousands of ways to communicate his love to us, right? But he knew the best way would be in person and face to face. So he came himself. This is a God who came himself. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a teacher. He didn't send an ambassador or just an angel. He sent his only son. And this is the good news of Christmas. Paul Harvey, the, the famous radio host, tells this story about a family on Christmas Eve. It's a good one. The family had a tradition where the mother and the children would go to the Christmas Eve service and the father would stay home and he'd read his paper. When the family returned from church, they would gather and they would open their presents. Now the father, he wasn't a bad man, but he just couldn't believe in the childhood stories anymore of God coming as a baby in the manger. As his family left for church, he opened up the evening paper and began to read by the fireplace. And suddenly, he heard like a tapping on the window. And it was a bird flying against the glass of the window, trying to get out of the snow into the warmth of his home. And the man had compassion, and, and he went outside hoping to bring it in. And as he approached the bird, the bird just flew against the window even harder. Pretty soon, the bird flew into the bushes below the window, half frozen, yet so afraid, to be caught by this huge man. The more the man tried to reach for the bird, the more the bird flew frantically into the snow and the thorn bushes. And after a few minutes in the cold and seeing the bird continue to just injure itself, the man yelled out in frustration, stupid bird, can't you understand? I'm trying to help you. He paused and thought, man, if I could only, if he could only understand, he wouldn't fly away. If only I could become a bird and, and get him to understand. And then the church bells rang, as they always did on the hour. But when the man heard the bells this time, he fell to his knees, and he began to cry, saying, Oh God, now I understand. Now I understand. This is why God, the Creator, the king of the universe became a human being. He came to earth to save us so that we could get to know him and learn to trust him and love him back, right? It is all about relationship with him. God doesn't want anything to hold you back from that relationship with him. His love, it's unconditional which means regardless of your performance, regardless of your mood, regardless of your actions or your past or your thoughts, he doesn't want anything to stand in your way of getting to know him. From coming to him today and accepting what he's done for you. The Bible actually says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion, compassion on all that he has made. And Paul, one of Jesus' followers, says, Christ's love is greater than anyone could ever know, but I pray that you will know that love. Timothy Keller, a pastor and theologian, says, the gospel is simply this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves 
than we ever dare believe. And yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Amen. The second reason to celebrate is that God is with us. In the book of Matthew, it it recounts the story of Jesus' birth, and it says, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So Emmanuel, and it's three words in English, God with us. John Wesley, the great founder of the Methodist Church, when he was dying, his last words were, the best of all is God with us. So who is the us? Is it an exclusive moral group of super-Christian people? Is it? No. You remember, it's, it's good news for all people, right? All people. Look, who, look who, who the angel came to that night when we read the story. It came to shepherds. These people were the outcast, the lowly of lowlies in the community. People come to Jesus without their references, right? We come to Jesus lowly, humbled, like those shepherds. It's kind of like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. The people that feel like God owes them something. Because he was furious, wasn't he? He was furious that his younger brother had been welcomed home. He wasn't the one that, dis- that dishonored his father, right? He wasn't the one that squandered his wealth in immoral living. But he missed it. He missed it. The father says, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. We need to be desperate and humble like that prodigal son. We can come home. We no longer have to be alone trying to figure it out all by ourselves in the dark. It's kind of like that bird trying to get in from the cold. Jesus comes to earth to show us that he is the way to the Father. The book of Isaiah says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know whatever you're going through, he cares. God cares. He really understands. And you do not have to be alone this Christmas season. David says, even when I'm walking in the darkest valley, Psalm 23, I don't have to be anxious, I don't have to be fearful, and I don't need to be hopeless about the future because you, God, are with me. Christ came to earth so he could identify with our pains and sufferings, right? He's not a God that's just lived in heaven having this idyllic life and he's like, oh, you guys will figure it out. No, he came through a womb, to come to us. We've all done that, but, but even he decided to go the lowliest of low paths to get to us. And he didn't just come to be born in a, in a castle or a kingdom. He came in a stable. 
It, it, it was born and put in a manger. It was just a trough for animals. Jesus himself, when he walked on this earth, he experienced so much so that he could relate with exactly where we are, where we are today. He's experienced rejection. He's experienced loneliness. He's experienced the loss of a loved one. He's experienced abandonment, betrayal, physical pain. He's been there. And he's with us now. We don't get to do this life and we don't do this life alone with a God that can't relate to our pain. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. So the third aspect of this good news is that God is for you. The phrase for you is used frequently in the Bible. Jesus says, what do you want for me to do for you? This is my body given for you. Paul even says, if God is for you, who can be against you? When you're going through a crisis, it's really good to know that, that God is with you. But do you know that he's also for you? He's actually seeking out the best for you. God is not a God that's out to get you. He's not some cosmic grouch up in the sky looking down for ways to judge us or condemn us or criticize us or get even with us. That's not him. It says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. No one, no one wants the best more for you than God. He wants you to run toward him, not away from him. And the Bible is filled with this phrase, do not be afraid. Do you know it's actually repeated 365 times in the Bible? That's enough fear knots for every single day of the year. Recently, I was, I'll be honest, I was really struggling with this. I've believed in my head for a long time that, that God is good, right? You hear it a lot here and there. You're like, God is good, you know? Yeah. But, but there was a part of my life, if I was honest, that I just had a death grip on, and I was not about to let him have it. I realized I didn't really trust that he was good. I was actually afraid, honestly, of surrendering. I had that fear. I, just, I was scared that if I really surrendered everything, I mean, especially my control, that he'd send me to some far-off place in the world that I'd, you know, I'm like, really? Or that he'd make me stand up in, a, in front of a, a large group of people and speak. <laughs> A lot of fear stops us, right, from, from really embracing and trusting in the truth that he is good. I can't tell you, but over the last year of walking through that, of surrendering my life to the Lord and saying, okay, fine, you've got it, you've got it all. I'm, I'm, I have to trust you. I know that you're good. i got to live it out. I, can I just say that he is good? Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll take you out of your comfort zone. But he's good, and he's with you, and he always gives you what you need to do what he's calling you to do. Always. I'm a living testimony of that. <laughs> God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 
but those have been called according to his purpose. Did you know that God just doesn't want to save you from something, that he also wants to save you for something? He's created you with certain things that he wants you to do. And just because you're young doesn't mean that time hasn't already come. And just because you're older doesn't mean that time has already passed, okay? He has things for you to do. He has a purpose for you. And he wants to tell you how he's wired you. He actually wants to tell you who your true self really is. And I'll, I'll tell you what, like when I live life with Jesus, I feel like I'm really my true self. I'm able to let go of my fear and I'm able to, to really trust him and lean on him. And, and I have so much more confidence than I would ever have just leaning on my own strengths and my own life. Especially this holiday season, what is it like for us to give our lives away? What kind of purpose does God have for you this holiday season? To maybe look at the people in your life and say, I'm not looking for the things to get from them, but I'm looking for ways to give to them. That's the true joy of giving, is giving your life away. Because you know God has a purpose that's much bigger than you. So God loves us, he's with us, and he's for us. It's when we celebrate the real thing that it makes a real difference. And I know, I really know, from personal experience, because I have gone through the motions before, versus living my life truly surrendered to God. I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I know what it's like to do everything right on the outside. I knew all the right answers, but I didn't know God. There wasn't this life in me. It's kind of like a far picture on the wall. That's what God was to me. It's kind of like the uh, Mona Lisa mosh pit, as I like to call it, and there's a story behind that. I'm an artist, and I got a chance to go to Paris, and the first place I went to was the Louvre, because I wanted to see the Mona Lisa. I wanted to see it in person. I wanted to be able to stand in front and be like, I could spit on that. <laughs> I'm so close. <laughs> it's covered in glass, so I couldn't do that. But um, by the time I finally made it through the Louvre, because it's a big place, I finally made it to the Mona Lisa. I'm like, there it is. And it's like on this wall, right? And there's this mosh pit of people around the Mona Lisa. I couldn't even get to it. It's like this big. I'm like, well, there it is. Okay, well, you know. But it was just a blur. I couldn't see her face. I couldn't see the detail of those strokes, right? I wanted to see it up close and personal, but I couldn't. I couldn't. And that's, that's kind of like how God was to me at the time. He was just a blur. I mean, I think he was there, right? He's up on the wall somewhere. At least people tell me he's there. But I, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. So one night when I was, when I was young, and I, I can't explain this, it was kind of like a dream uh, and or a vision where I was in my bed, I was supposed to be asleep, and I had this picture of Jesus. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was unlike any other picture I'd ever seen. And he was, he was bloody and he was bruised and he was in obvious pain and he was hanging on this beam. And I'm like, what? And all I could hear was, I did this for you. I did this for you. Now, as a little girl, <laughs> it's kind of like traumatic to, to see something that vivid and, and go, what, that's for me? I couldn't, I couldn't justify that in my mind. Why would someone go through that kind of pain for me? 
So I ran in screaming to my mom's room, and I, she calmed me down. My mom's here today, by the way. <laughs> and uh, on the side of her bed, uh, she told me why Jesus did that. She said, Jesus died so that you can know God too. Even as a little girl, that nothing would separate me from God anymore. And that it was a gift. That all I had to do was receive it. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I want that. So on that, on that bed and, and that night, I accepted Jesus into my life. And now I can't say that anything miraculous happened. I didn't levitate off the ground, you know, for the next week or anything. Nothing magical happened, but I'll tell you what, it was like an open door to God that I had that I didn't have before. I, I would just randomly, even as a little girl, just start talking to God because I knew he was there and I knew he loved me. It was incredible. I remember even thinking, uh, strange theology as a child, but thinking that, uh, you know, I would push my beanbag into the sunlight in our living room and I'd sit there and I'd talk to God because I thought he was, he, was, he was more present in the sunlight than he was, like, not in the sunlight. And uh, I just loved knowing that he was with me and knowing that he loved me and he was for me. I even realized that as, as a little girl, uh, things in my life changed. Like, I used to be a horrible liar, like horrible, like I was really bad at it, but I lied all the time, and I'd always have to try to like figure out, wait, what lie did I tell them? What? So I was trying to make my life sound better than it was. I don't know why. And, <laughs> and even then, when I met Jesus, that just left. I had no desire to deceive people anymore, especially knowing that God was with me and that he knew I wasn't telling the truth. <laughs> so even that changed in my life. I've gone through a lot. I've gone through a lot in my lifetime. I'm only, am I 33? I think I'm 33. I forgot. <laughs> I'm only 33, but I've been through a lot in my lifetime. And God has met me. Hmm, man, he's met me. I, I remember, let's say this. I, I remember uh, saying that I've cried only five times in my life. I was very proud of that. And every single time, God would meet me at the point of my greatest need. I mean, they were epic tears. I mean, those were epic moments where I really needed God, and he showed up for me, man. He showed up for me. And then I got married, and I had a kid, and I just cry all the time. <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> Hormones, right? Well, one of those times where God met me was my freshman year of college. It was actually right after Christmas break, and the entire campus was deserted, and I was working that week, and, and I was alone in my dorm room, and I was sitting on the floor waiting for a call. It was the longest time ever. <laughs> I'm just sitting there waiting. I was actually waiting for, thank you. Awesome. I might cry, so this might be good. <laughs> like I said, I cry all the time now. Um, I was sitting on the floor, and I was waiting for a call. <clears throat> I was waiting for a call from my dad, and he's here tonight too, or this morning. And my dad was gonna call me to tell me whether or not my biopsy that was taken over Christmas was cancerous or not. I have never felt so alone. <laughs> and yet, I had the strangest peace. I knew, no matter which way my life went, God was gonna be with me. 
I knew that he would carry me through it. It was the weirdest peace. And can I tell you, he did. Thankfully, the tumor wasn't cancerous, thank God, but uh, I still had to go through a pretty invasive surgery that left me with some really difficult scars. But even that, God has redeemed. I was still able to nurse my daughter, which was a really big fear of mine for a long time. It was a miracle in and of itself. I've walked through this life knowing that God loved me and knowing that he was with me, knowing that he was for me. But I'll tell you what, I am still unpacking the beautiful truths of those still today in my life. Jesus really is the best news of all. He really, really is. And he's not just a fairy tale. He's not just a good story you hear during Christmas time, like Santa Claus or Rudolph or, or the Grinch. This is a historical event. Jesus came and he died for us, that we could know God and that we could know why the heck we're on this earth and what we're meant for. He is the reason we celebrate. He is the one we worship. And it's when we celebrate the real reason for the season that it makes a real difference. This Christmas, I encourage you, put your trust in him. He is trustworthy. All of it. Give yourself all of it, all of yourself to him. And for those of you that have even prayed in the past and have asked Jesus to become your savior, can I ask you something? Is he really Lord of your life? Have you fully surrendered your life and your control to him? If that's you, if you would like to put your trust in God for the first time or again fully, would you all bow your heads right now? And we're just going to pray. And if you'd like to, pray along with me, silently. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so that I could get to know you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me all my life, even when I didn't know it. I realize I need a savior to set me free from sin, from myself, and from all my habits, my hurts, my hang-ups that mess up my life. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I want to repent and live the way that you have created me to live. <laughs> Be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. Save me by your grace. I want to learn to love you, to trust you, and to become what you made me to be. In your name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you are a, a table hostess, would you mind pulling out your comment cards at your table and passing them out? They look, uh, do I have one? Oh, they look like this. If that was you this morning, if you prayed either for the first time or if you recommitted your life to the Lord, would you let us know by indicating it on the card? It is no little thing to accept Christ into your life. And we would love to know so that we can be praying for you guys. Uh, we're going to sing one last song. Yeah? Two? There we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, seven or eight. No. <laughs> And then we'll, be, then we'll be free to go. But I want to thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. Thank you for letting me share my heart. And Merry Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. I'm nowhere near as tall as Heather, so you'd really never see me. I couldn't tell when you stood up, Pam, sorry. <laughs> okay, if you are done with your comment cards, if you would like to stand, you're welcome to stand. I know you've been sitting for a while. We're just going to end by singing a couple of Christmas carols, and we actually want you to sing with us. The words are going to be up on the screen, and these are just very familiar songs. So if you're done with your cards, feel free to stand and join with us as we finish out today. <laughs>